With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From a top secret network of highly secure locations across North America, this is the Spurs Insider Podcast. Brought to you as always by Tapa Palenque, where the best happy hour in San Antonio just got happier. Stop by any of the Taco Palenque locations Sunday through Thursday for ice-cold 550 margaritas, $3 domestics, $3 off ponchos, and $1 off ponchitos. Taco Palenque keeps San Antonio cool and well-fed and is the best pre- or post-game meal for watching the Spurs. We're watching the Spurs across the country. I'm your host, Mike Finger, joined as always by Express News beat writers Tom Orsborne, and Jeff McDonald with Express News Sports Editor Nick Talbot. We are a week into regular season, Wemby Mania. This is hitting your earbuds, your podcast players, on Wednesday. We're not going to talk about last night's Tuesday uh, game against the Denver, the uh, Kevin Durant-led Phoenix Suns, just because, let's be honest, it wasn't that interesting. There's nothing that, that happened last night in Phoenix that we would possibly mention on this podcast that hits your earbuds on Wednesday. So we're going to talk about everything that led up to last night's game. Uh, Tom Orsborne, what sticks out to you about the first week of Wimby Mania? Wow. Um, you know, it came kind of came crashing down in, in Los Angeles. Uh, you guys, you guys were out there. I watched that one from the living room and uh, it was ugly. But overall, the, the we have not spoken to the to the listeners since Victor Wimbanyama made his regular season debut, and yeah. yes, the 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 LA game uh, was an understandable road hiccup well, that happens to a lot of young teams. But but so far, Jeff, I mean, the the Victor Wimbanyama thing has gone. He has he has. I will say this: he has not played. And we're, and we're not going to talk about last night because who would want to talk about last night? But but he has not played a complete half yet in terms of like this is Victor Wimbanyama, what we expected of him. There's been little um, two-minute, three-minute stretches where he's dominated. But he, his not, overall numbers, his overall contributions have been good, and we have not seen him at his best for a complete half of basketball yet. Yeah, it's kind of um, it's been maybe what we expected, like the, these flashes of brilliance, or like like we were talking, we've been talking about since the season, you know, since the preseason. Like there'll be these four or five moments in every game where you're just like, I've I've never seen that happen on a basketball court before. But also a, a lot of a lot of bumps in the road, a lot of you know, two out of three losses so far, and and um, you know, some moments where. He's looked like a 19-year-old rookie. And, I, you know, and maybe we haven't made enough of the fact that he's a 19-year-old rookie, like 19-year-old rookie. Like Tim came here when he was 21 and fully formed. Victor's 19, and there's not a lot of um, – there's not a lot of 
history, if at all, in the NBA of a teenager coming into the league and just dominating from game one to game 82 of his rookie season. So there's going to be a lot of, a lot of, a lot of learning, you know, there's a learning curve. And I expect as he gets more comfortable and starts to figure out um, ways to impose himself on the, on the game, I think we'll see those, those flashes of brilliance will become more frequent and you'll, you'll see him um, taking over some games here or there. I guess the brightest uh, spot was in Houston um, in that fourth quarter when he had nine points, including the, the very decisive, strong move that led to the uh, uh, bucket that sent the game to overtime. Um, he scored it with about 20 seconds left. That stands out. And then the the left uh, right-hand, left-hand block of Jabari Smith, uh, that, was pretty, that was pretty sweet to watch. That was the jump that he made from game one to game two. And you, uh, Jeff talked about have learning to impose his will, learning how to play in the NBA. Part of that was that we can we can talk a little bit about the opening night um, against the Dallas Mavericks, which was kind of a letdown for a lot of people because you just didn't see enough of Victor Wembanyama because he was in in foul trouble the entire game. Um, picked up quick fouls almost every time he was on the court, and from game one to game two, he sort of figured out how to avoid that, and that's going to be probably an ongoing pop, uh, process. But, uh, yeah, the, the the improvement from that first game where he couldn't stay on the court to avoiding foul trouble in game two and, like Tom said, highlight real type plays, jaw-dropping plays at both ends of the floor with the game on the line in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, that I, I think every week when we come together and talk about Wimby and talk about the prog- progress of this team, you have to look at the good and the bad, and there have been. I mean, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday before the Phoenix game, so there have been three. There have been three games so far, and there have been moments in every one of those three games, including the forty-point loss to the Clippers, where Victor Wembanyama just makes you your mouth open uh, in in wonder. That uh, he finished two ridiculous lobs against the Clippers in that blowout, one with his right hand, one with his left hand where it looked like the lobs were bad lobs. They weren't close. And he just sort of he just sort of reaches his hand out and, and scoops them in. And uh just we're almost already taking him for granted how how amazing he is. It's almost becoming ho hum because they're one and two at the time of this recording coming off a forty point loss. But it's it's really gonna be something to behold for all season long. And I think when you're evaluating these things too, like um the level, I mean, this is obvious, but the level of competition matters as well. You know, they, they played Dallas at home, which is probably a middle-of-the-pack Western Conference team. They played Houston at home, which is still a bad Western Conference team. And then they go to L.A. for their first road game and play a Clippers team that's probably among uh, among the, the top four in the West. And it was it was almost a culture shock sort of moment, I think, for some of these, some of these guys too because the step up in, in competition was really – Fierce. And another thing I think you'll see happen this year, you know, I think early last year when the, everyone knew the Spurs were going to be bad, nobody was talking about them. They got zero hype. Um, I, I think a team like the Clippers would sleep on them a little bit early in the season. Right? And the Spurs might have a chance to be in that game or maybe even win that game. I don't think that's not going to happen this year because, you know, I, I think there's a level of pride with a lot of these older veteran all-star laden teams. You know, if, if you're, if you're, if you're a, a veteran all-star in this league, I think you want to take your shot at, at a guy with the hype that Victor 
brings. Like you've heard about this guy all summer. He's the number one overall pick. And not only is he overall number one overall pick, he's like the most highly touted overall pick in, in, uh, in forever. So you're not going to sleep on those guys and the Spurs are going to have to be ready to get, uh, prepared to get some teams, a better shot from some teams than maybe they were getting early last season. That's a good point. Um, and you, you could tell the, the Clippers were ready for him. And, um, I think it'll, it'll be a common theme throughout the, the on one hand, the Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, uh, Zach Collins, Trey Jones type players that are going to be really excited to play with more eyes on them. Maybe that will improve their play in a long run. But you're also getting a better shot from the guys who are wondering why in the heck, you know, this team that lost all these games last year is getting all this love on TNT and ESPN. Um, it it kind of works both ways. And we saw sort of both sides of it this past week. Um you, you saw the, the the big finish from Wendy and the and the just the we we could probably get into again talking about each of these games in more detail. But the the end of the Houston game was like pandemonium, the excitement that you generally don't see in October in the NBA. Um, the true celebration, true excitement. Um, you the Spurs benefit from that, and then just get steamrolled from the beginning against the Clippers on the other side of it. Um, anything else? What, let's go back to Dallas opening night because we did not discuss that I'm on last. Barely, I barely, I barely remember that. It's like, uh, it's like a, we've lived a lifetime since then. It feels like it does. Mm-hmm. But that was that was the NBA final atmosphere in in mid October, um, leading up to it. The the number of media on uh, around the court, the number of media in the building for over two hundred credentials from eight countries, I think, um, just sort of absurd and ridiculous and preposterous. The, the uh, place, yeah. Type the, about a game, but the, the place but, uh, packs, the place packs like it hasn't been in yeah. forever. I mean, I think they sold some standing room only tickets. So I think if you go look it up, probably the attendance number that they have reported for a sellout for game one is probably higher than, than, than it's ever been for a regular season game. It was what eighteen thousand nine forty seven. I think that's more than they list for the uh, that the arena can even hold. So right. it's definitely right. one of their higher totals they've ever had there. And the, and the thing I noticed was, you know, just for posterity, I wanted to take a video of uh, Victor Wembanyama's first opening tip off. And uh, when you when you look in the background of that video, like all you see are fans on the other side of the the uh, arena, uh, whereas last year it would have been just tons of empty seats, even probably for the season opener. You know, there, but there was not, it was the, the place was as packed as it could possibly be. I wonder how long that continues if they keep losing, but I think we've got a couple months still. People are still going to be very, very excited to watch this guy play. Well, Friday night, there was typical, uh, in, in the first couple of minutes, Friday night at 7 p.m. for a tip off is not a great uh, combination in San Antonio, Texas in the fall. And that, that we, it was a late arriving crowd understandably so it's it's hard to get there at seven o'clock and it's friday night football and all that but by tom would you you'd say by the middle of the first quarter second quarter it was pretty well full again uh, i had my doubts there for a little bit here's if, here's if it here's gonna be your way. test here's gonna be your test their next home game is sunday afternoon this coming sunday afternoon against the toronto college. raptors against uh, well, yeah against the toronto raptors which is not a glamour opponent 
and it's opposite a Cowboys game, and not any just any Cowboys game, but I believe the Cowboys are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. Is that a that good is game? correct. That is yeah. correct in the that, in the coveted three thirty spot. Yes. Yeah. So uh, you know you're going to see your diehards. We're we're going to find out. And San Antonio is probably the biggest Cowboys market in the state outside of Dallas. I don't think probably is. I think it's definitely in, in the nation. San Antonio is one of the biggest NFL markets in the nation. And it doesn't yes, have an in the nation. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, that'll be your test of Wimby Mania, I think. That, I think it'll ebb and flow. There will be there will be games, moments, times over the, the course of the season where people are going to be really into it. Maybe there will be some losing streaks and some – games that aren't quite as attractive where people turn away for a little bit. But, man, like walking into the arena formerly known as Staples the other day, um, I've been coming to that arena for several years now, uh, an annual trek, and it's the place where you see a lot of media. And, that, I mean, it's one of the media capitals of the country and the world, Los Angeles. And those games are always well attended, um, always well chronicled, always well covered. And getting my bag checked, walking in, the security guy you see every year says, man, there's a lot of media here today. And that was never the case. For, and that's by his standard. That's by Staples uh, Crypto.com standard. Just people came out of the woodwork in Los Angeles to see the Clippers, not the Lakers, Clippers, play uh, a team that was has been a lottery for two years in a row. It, it just shows you... And we can talk about that that interview room um, that has been spacious, has been luxurious for the last six, seven years that we've used it to to talk to Pop and Spurs players after games. It was like a sardine can the other day. Like you couldn't get people, if you want to take their backpacks off to fit through the door to talk to Victor Wembanyama. It was, it was quite it was, a scene. It was like a Manhattan subway in there. Mm-hmm. There you go. For those uh, uh, but, not paying much attention, that was before the Clippers went out and traded for James Harden, which, you know, the day. That was indeed. That was yeah. Indeed. Uh, when I was talking about it earlier and I said the Clippers were probably top four in the West, now I'm not so sure. <laughs> <laughs> it took a step back. They might have dropped with that trade. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, you want to talk about some other players besides Wimby? You got anything else on the agenda? Well, I think I think we can at least get to the halfway part point with Wimby. And wanted to mention, too, that um, because there are going to be more games where he's disappointed and doesn't play well, we've seen through three that he's he doesn't seem to be cracking under the hype microscope yet. He's still been Victor Wimbanyama. He's still been uh, patient and thoughtful and cooperative after games. I think he has a good perspective. He mentioned, why would you get frustrated only three games into a season? He he does the best PR job uh, the Spurs have ever done for their Pound the Rock slogan, where he eloquently yeah. describes the whole thing in like a one-minute soliloquy, uh, breaking it down. Sometimes you sort of need um, outside eyes and or, or someone from another country, someone someone who, who didn't grow up around it to describe uh, something that you've heard for many, many years in a new way. I thought that was interesting. That that, uh, that opening sentence to that answer, Mike, was was yeah. It, to your point, you know, it was uh, it was so great. He says, "We got a famous saying in San Antonio. It's pound the rock, and it has a deep meaning." That, that's so <laughs> yes. wonderful. Yes, 
uh, he's, he's really something. And, uh, uh, you know, just peppered with questions from, because there, there are national, you know, LA type media, uh, reporters who are, we're getting their first chance to talk to him. They ask some questions he's been asked many times before, but he's been patient with that kind of putting his new spin on some of these answers and he's I've really been impressed with how he's handled himself so far and I, there's going to be a time during a four game losing streak which will inevitably come at some point when he's just going to say enough of this and he's probably not going to be his delightful self but maybe maybe uh, we, we we get on we so, get on so... athletes in this business coaches in this business for not handling themselves well for you know we call them out when they act like jerks and i think that it's fair to kind of point out that this 19 year old superstar is uh is handling himself pretty well so far so so far he's so far he's been ginobili-esque in that regard yeah where you could you you would get manu after every game win or lose and he would give you great stuff and even when he was visibly frustrated and understandably upset he was still he was still engaging with you, and we've seen and we've seen that from Victor at, again at age nineteen. We we didn't even get a shot at Manu until he was twenty five. You know, Manu, was, Manu often did it in three languages. Of course, Wemby's doing it in two, which which is all the more impressive. Slacker, both those guys. Yeah. So on that note, Jeff and Tom are giving Victor Wembanyama the Manu Ginobili Trophy. And if you're into trophies, New York Times bestselling author Shea Serrano and Emmy winner Jason Concepcion are back together again, this time aiming their high-powered microscope at the NBA in their new weekly podcast, Six Trophies. Jason and Shea cover the biggest storylines in the league by handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Things like the Ryan Gosling and Drive Trophy, which is given out to a player or a team that did something incredibly cool that week. Or the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy, which is given out to a player or a team that tried something, but it didn't work out that great for them. Or the Walter White Tread Lightly trophy, which is given out to a player or a team approaching dicey territory. Kick back as Jason and Shay recap the top happenings from around the NBA through their lens of movies, music, and more. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Six Trophies ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. If that's the last Six Trophies segue I ever do, I could die happy. I think I can die feeling like I, I've done my job. I've made my contribution to the world. Um, anyway, we appreciate Shay and Jason for uh, helping us out during October. Jeff, you wanted to talk about other players besides the well, Yama? First, first, I wanted to give you the Boris Diaw great segue trophy. <laughs> that segue. That's pretty good. Describe to the viewers and listeners uh, uh, what that double entendre is. Well, it was always a great. It was always a great story about Boris before he came to San Antonio when he was with the Charlotte. I guess they were the Bobcats at the time, and he lived within like downtown Charlotte, within walking distance of the arena. But uh, still took a Segway to work. He had one of those little Segways that you ride, you know. Segway uh, scooter, as opposed scooter. to Segway the verbal transition. Yes, yes, that was yeah. It was a it was a pun. It was a good. pun. I'm good at puns. Other players, is it like okay? Three games in, so let's make some like final binding determinations on the uh, Jeremy Sohan at point guard experiment. Oh, you want to be controversial on this uh, podcast? Huh? Let's do it. What's your, what's your thought? What's your take? Um, 
Well, number one, it sounds like no matter what my take is or anyone's take is, they're going to stick with this for a while. Is that the, is that the uh, um, idea you got from Pop? You know, he called it the uh, official 2023-2024 experience this team. That seems like more than just a three-game sample that they're willing to get it. But you that's said, the year 2024. Yeah. He didn't just um, say 2023. That's a good point. I mean, it hasn't been great so far. Like statistically, it hasn't been great. I pulled up the numbers. That 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 starting five with Sohan and the starting five, that's their most used five-man lineup um, by a significant margin. And it has a net, net rating of a negative 33.3. Is that good? So that that's not good. But if you sub if you take out Jeremy Sohan and you put Trey Jones and the other four guys are the same, that's their second most used lineup. And that 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 has a net rating of a positive eleven point four. So that's that's like a forty point swing on that net rating. Forty four, some would say. Well, I don't. I don't. I I was told there would be no math. Okay. Um, here's here's some thoughts on that. Um, I think that they're going to keep trying. I don't know how long they're going to keep trying, but this wasn't just a spur of the moment decision. Um, I think there was thought that was put into it by not just one head coach, but by multiple people in the organization. And I don't think they're going to throw it out after three games. Um, but also I think even if you keep starting that group, that doesn't mean that has to be your most played five man group necessarily. I think that you could start that group and, and make some substitutions earlier and have the rotations end up with different groups on the floor that aren't that five-man group. Um, it's, sometimes we get too obsessive over the starting five when we should be right. paying more attention to the finishing five or the most used five. And there was... And, and the, the one game, the game the Spurs won, who, who was the point guard in the final five minutes of overtime against Houston? I think that was uh, Trey Jones. That is correct. So you might see more of that. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And... I, I sort of understand the rationale for trying and that yeah. these are your best five guys, maybe best is the wrong word, most promising five guys, see how they play together. Let's just try something new. Trey Jones is never going to be an all-star, all-NBA point guard. So um, as long as he's got the mentality that he's fine coming off the bench and he can contribute in any way, the Spurs need him to contribute, which is what Trey Jones is. Like, if you look at those six guys who are their top, top six players and ask yourself, who would most easily, most seamlessly, most uh, 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 cooperatively go to the bench? Like, it's Trey Jones. <laughs> and uh, maybe that's why they did it this way, it's just because Trey will be most positive about it. Um, but I, I, I see trying it, and I see probably an expiration date on it if it doesn't start improving. Um, but I don't think that it's the end of the world to keep trying for a month, for six weeks right. or whatever. And, I, think and, the wor- and I, think, I think the worst thing you can do when you make any of these decisions is, you know, try it for three games and abandon it. Like, what are you doing? Right. Like, if you spend all offseason deciding this is the way you want to start, and this is and there are reasons for it, 
um, it makes no sense to completely abandon it three games in. Now, maybe 20 games in, maybe 40 games in, but not three. That that unit with Sohan as the starting starting point guard, it's got to be better defensively. Like, that's what you think it's going to be is these long-armed, switcherific defenders. And, and we've seen it a little, but if you, again, small, small, small sample size. But if you look at the, the, the analytics, the defense, they've not been great defensively, even though sometimes – the first quarter against the Clippers, that unit caused all kinds of havoc defensively. Now, it was also coughing the ball up offensively and turning the ball over like crazy. And so the Spurs went into the end of the first quarter, having given up 23 points to that team, that very good team, um, but still trailing by five because they could only manage 18 because they were throwing the ball all over the arena formerly known as Staples. So it's kind of both sides of that coin. But overall, that, that lineup has not been great defensively. And for it to work, it has to be great defensively because we know there's going to be some offensive limitations there. The spacing is not going to be great with that unit and, and without a, a point guard organizing it. And Pop, uh, what, what did Pop say about, you know, it's our experiment for the 23-24 season, uh, kind of signaling that it's, it's for the long haul, I would think. Tom must have missed part of this podcast, which, which uh, we mentioned that earlier. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ay, ay, ay. Down secure location, um, which is not far from mine, I don't think. Here well, in, uh, here in the um, great American Southwest, but uh, that that's fine. That's fine. I'm trying it's, to it's get. Worth, I, I'm trying. Observation. It's worth mentioning twice. I'm trying to get uh, the early story uh, done for sports editor Nick Talbot. Um, so that's that's kind of, kind of been distracted here, but. No, it's it's worth. I'm sure our viewers, list, no, I'm sure our viewers, listeners might have been dozing off uh, during one of my long monologues. So it's worth mentioning the the finer points a second time. No, that's good. What is the good early stuff. story about that people can pick up in the paper on this fine Wednesday morning when they the might be listening to this time? Devin, uh, Devin, uh, you know, vowing to continue to be aggressive. Uh, Pop wants him to be selfish. He says, "I'm going to be selfish." Pop says, uh, I want you to be our go-to go-to guy. Devin says, I'm going to be your go-to guy. And uh, leading off with his little uh, trash-talking incident with Dylan Brooks the other night, which was out of character. And, uh, you know, for, for a guy who describes himself as being uh, laid back uh, and kind of signaling that, yes, he's a, he's a more assertive Devin of the cell this season. I'm not he sure was, how he was kind of yapping at Zubak the other night too. Yes, he did. Down 18 points, I think, in the second quarter, he he finished on Zubat did the did the trash talk there. So that might be a new part of selfish. Yeah, Devin Devin's game. Um, He's been hanging around <laughs> Sohan too long, I think. Pick pick that up in your Express News hard copy on Wednesday, and it'll obviously be available in the Express News Spurs Nation newsletter at expressnews.com. Get all that good stuff to finish up the the starting uh, lineup discussion. I think um, as, as Jeff made, I'll give him a, a good point trophy. Although that's that doesn't follow Shay's thing. Who makes good points? Which celebrity can can we name that trophy after? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'll but, put some uh, thoughts on that. But put some thought into that. Just said as Jeff said, if you're going to spend the entire off season saying we're going to do this and abandon them after three games. That makes a coaching staff look more incompetent or or directionless, in my mind, than one that sticks with something for, for, for a while, even if it's not working. 
if you just abandon something after three games, then what the hell are you doing? Um, so yeah, I, I, I get the I get the frustration from people who see it and think this doesn't work. But if once you've started trying it, like you owe it to yourself, you owe it to that group to just make sure because you're not you're not going to compete for a championship this year. And yes, we'll finish with this. But the, Greg Popovich uh, famously said on the first day of training camp on media day this year that this season is going to be about winning in the way that previous seasons were about learning. And I don't necessarily think it's a complete contradiction to try new stuff and to still remember that there's learning involved just because you're also trying to win. This is just, I'm babbling, but this season can be about winning. This season can have higher expectations. I think the Spurs have higher expectations. I think they want to win more than 30 games. Um, but that doesn't mean that every game you just go 100% trying to win the moment rather than think of the long term. I think there's still uh, uh, an opportunity to keep the long-term project in mind while you're trying to win more. Uh, but go ahead, Jeff. Well, that's what I was going to say. They, they ain't making the playoffs. So yeah. if, if there's a season to experiment and even have it turned out to be a failed experiment – this 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 is it and also i don't think either trey jones or jeremy sohan is probably your starting point guard at the moment of the future in the sense that they're they're, they're going to be your starting point guard when you're competing for titles again so you know, you know what what difference does it make i guess is my is my point who's who's doing it now i'm and i'm not bashing anybody who says this is ugly and i don't like it because there have been moments on the floor this year, there have been probably extended moments on the floor where it's been ugly and people who like basketball don't like it. And and for people to um, to point out that Pop said this year is going to be about winning. Well, I was one of those people who asked him that in the interview room the other night. Like, I, that's a legitimate thing to bring up, too. Um, but I, I, I do think that... What, 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 was, what, was, what was his answer to that question? Well, he was about to give a really good answer, and then all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose in that room, where the, like it was like a a clown car in reverse, where the door <laughs> yeah. opened, and uh, people. I think people are still walking into that room. It's it it, it, took, it was like you thought it was full, you thought it was over, and then nineteen more people would come into a room that's the size of um, the closet where where one of our secure locations. So just to explain to the viewers and listeners, what had happened was the room where Pop does his post game at the arena formerly known as, known as Staples is at one end of this long hallway near the Spurs locker room. And those of us that have covered the Spurs there multiple times have come to realize if you try to enter from the end of the hall, the opposite end of the hallway, which is the way we normally come in, it's closer to the Clippers locker room, there will be security there that will not let you in until all of the Clippers players and staff have gotten to their locker room and so you're just stuck there yeah and pop and is notoriously the fastest post-game coach ever so what we learned to do is go to the other end of the hallway and make sure someone opens the door for us so most of your san antonio media was already seated in that room and had started with pop when uh, he's about by to give the san antonio by most of san antonio media you mean me, me you Jeff, andrew, and andrew lopez. lopez of espn yes so there were only three people in that room having a very pleasant post game because he's about to give like the, the answer of his of his life like he's about to give the yeah. best answer he's ever given to any question 
ever posed to him. Um, and the door opens again and 4,700 people walk through it. And this room, that's, it's not, the room is not bigger than my living room. Like we, I want to explain that too. It's oh, not very big. Oh, it's, I think it's much smaller than your living room, but yeah. Uh, so yeah. they're all crammed in there. And so pop gets distracted by that. And when we go back, when, when our columnist tries to go back to get pop to finish the, his answer or really begin his answer, he's completely lost the thread and, and yeah. doesn't, doesn't really feel like, you know, picking it up again. So yeah. Mission, mission unaccomplished there, I guess. Yeah, but I, I think what he would have said is what we both said <laughs> at the end of this talk. Like, you you can try, of course he wants to win more. And you can tell, like, that loss to the Clippers, he doesn't want to be losing, he doesn't want to be learning 40-point loss lessons this year. That's not optimal. He will he will try to make the best of it and um, hope that many of those don't follow like many of them followed last year. But I think one every now and then isn't a disaster I think you move on to the next one. Like, we will move on to the next one. We will see you next Wednesday. Until then, take care of each other and keep it real. <laughs>